The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, welcome to Utopia Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line as usual by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Not bad at all. How are you, matey? I mean, we've just been chatting for half an hour, so you know full well that I'm all right. Thank you. Two games to talk about, and normally when we have two games, we'll sort of tend to focus on the most recent one and leave the one that was further away behind a little bit because, you know, it's old news at this point. But we've just been having a little chat, and I feel like we, we do have to talk about the defeat to Preston first, don't we, Dave? 3-0 to Preston. And a poor performance all around from Huddersfield Town. Yeah, I I'm quite glad we didn't do the poll on Monday really because my to to just spend an hour going over that game individually I think it would have been horrendously negative. I, I'll be honest with you, I think I know they lost to Wickham having been two 0 up. I know the Derby defeat was bad. I know there's been some other bad performances. I think the Preston performance for me was genuinely I think my worst of the season um, because they were I, I jokingly I couldn't watch the game live I had to I had to watch it later and I jokingly text you how the game was going uh you know and laid out how it would go and it actually went exactly like that <laughs> and that's really worrying you know that that's that's not great and I thought the goals they gave away were just were really poor but it was just a general lack of anything for me they they never they never really troubled Preston. They never really got going. The, everybody was talking about the penalties, and I, I think the Fraser Campbell one wasn't. I, I certainly couldn't see a trip. All I could really see was a striker playing for it. I thought the O'Brien one was, if I'm honest, but we didn't get an angle that conclusively proved it was in the area either. So, but it, I just thought it was terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah, I thought it was really poor as well. The the, the Derby game was bad, um, and I think that's the other reason why glad we didn't record on Monday because and decided not to record on Monday because I think we would have just been repeated everything we said from that derby game mm. but but even worse kind of thing I thought they were desperately lacking in in leaders I think that much is evident I mean th- this is not a criticism of Lewis O'Brien but when you've got your fourth possibly even fifth choice captain out there that that tells you something about how you know the the <laughs> you're short on leaders and and you're missing key personnel in in that respect and Richard Stearman isn't even one of those players who's ahead of him in the pecking order and he he wasn't able to start the game at Preston he he, he did play against Birmingham of course I thought he did well against Birmingham actually but we'll, we'll come on to that later but I thought the 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 worst thing about Preston and and this is really a criticism of of Carlos Gorbran as much as the players was that he played he made a few changes he moved Pippa across to left back he played Romani Edmonds Green at right back but otherwise they were pretty much playing trying things that they'd tried before that hadn't worked you know Dwayne Holmes on the left all right he did he did well playing on the left of a front two or just behind Fraser Campbell against sort of towards the left against Swansea but otherwise he's been poor in that position I think he's he's not at his best on the wings you know that that midfield three of Vallejo, Bakuna, and O'Brien—they've tried that before. That was the three that played against Millwall, which is, I think, 
probably up there as one of Town's worst attacking performances of the season, certainly before that that Preston game. So why he thought they would do a job again, um, having having played so badly against Millwall, having played so badly against Stoke as well. Those three played together in midfield uh, and they played at least part of the games against Wickham and Derby as a midfield trio or as part of a midfield five uh, as well. So why he thought those three would do any better against Preston was, was just baffling. They, you know, Fraser Campbell, we know that he needs players close to him, but they played really wide and had Mbenzer and, and Holmes, uh, who we know he's, you know, again, in a mid in a front three, uh, it's not ideal. And he had Kieran Phillips sitting on the bench there. You know, that there were so many and this is the thing, they had a lot of different options that they just didn't use. You know, Aaron Rowe, who had been one of the bright sparks over the previous few games, was was dropped. You had Sorba Thomas sitting on the bench, and this isn't to say, well, if he'd picked these players, they would have won three nil. They probably still would have lost, but at least they would have tried something different. And it just felt like that was a, a massive wasted game because if they had tried something different against Preston they could have learned something new that they then could have tried against Birmingham instead yeah. they waste 90 minutes against Preston get beat and then then make the changes they made against Birmingham and look a little bit rusty playing that way they, they could have almost used that Preston game no one was expecting to win at Preston they almost yeah. could have used that as a free hit training game to try some new stuff so yeah and and you know this isn't being wise after the fact we, we sat around the podcast and said it last week and we said it you know I, I wrote it in the the pre-match talking points as well that they just needed to do something different so why why they didn't I thought was was really disappointing and very hard to explain yeah I just thought it was things we said before really straight runs and straight lines and it was really easy to set up against Preston were a little bit they were actually a little bit more proactive than Derby were in truth um they they did there were times where they went and pressed that back line but that was because they they identified areas of the pitch where they thought they were going to lose it more than anything else and playing the wing back so high and not giving not having a plan for that so that literally you can just drop a man in behind it reminded me so much of the the goal Luton scored against them you know there were two goals they lost to that against Preston but there there was also a load of attacking that came that way that was very much Preston's plan and Luton were brave enough to just stick a man into that area behind the fullback and Preston were doing it all the time and we keep hammering centre-backs all the time and saying you know Keogh's not done good enough Sars dodgy keeps making mistakes but the problem is when they're in stress positions all the time that you are going to get mistakes and errors and my big worry with the Preston game was that I just felt it it just all it just all the problems they've had just all coalesced into a performance that instead of being like a massive disaster where they lose like seven nil or something like that it was just a, a sort of 90 minutes of nothing from town it was mm. just insipid and I was uh, you know I feel slightly more encouraged by the draw against Birmingham still with reservations and still with things that I'll go into and that I'll talk about but uh, at least they were sort of trying something at least they tried to do something different we will go into that performance in some detail I'm not saying it was it was anywhere near perfect but this this Preston game for me was like a, a real low point lower than Wickham at home genuinely so I am hoping they've sort of bottomed out and they're going to go a different way from here yeah I think it was evident from the start against Birmingham that Gorbrand had gone right we're, we're, we're changing it now we're doing something different mm. they they went a lot more direct 
direct. And yep. let's be honest, that, that first half in particular, I mean, the whole game was a bit rubbish, but the first half, oh, God. I mean, we we <laughs> we I was talking to my colleague on Birmingham Live, Brian Dick, who covers Birmingham City, and, and, you know, we were both like, that was two really poor teams. You can see why they're both in the mess they are when they're, when they're playing like that. It was two really, really... I mean, Matty Glennon was... I was talking to him afterwards, and he was saying, you know, that was... If you said that was League 2 standard, then that was probably doing a disservice to League 2. Um, you know, it was it was non-league stuff. You know, when you've got the goalkeepers kicking it through to one another, <laughs> I think it's pretty bad. But yeah. having having said all that, though, we've we've slaughtered Corbrand for not changing things and not being willing to to make changes and you know sticking to his principles too severely and you know not being adaptable. So it was at least good to see them do something different in this game. Yeah, I, the thing is about like going going long was a strategy they were using to basically try and beat a low block because if you go more direct, you particularly if you do it quickly, the the opposition can't reset basically. So it's a perfectly valid tactic and i know like long ball football is a slightly sort of dirty dirty word isn't it really when it shouldn't be it's a it's a valid strategy but you've got to you've got to have the quality on the ball you know you you can't there were so many balls that were just going through to goalkeepers or going out for throw-ins and the the quality did improve through the game but particularly the first 20 minutes it was uh, the, uh, and this is both sides. This is not just town. I thought Birmingham were absolutely rotten. There is there is absolutely no uh, disguise in the fact that they are where they are in the league table for a, for a reason. And yeah, it was. I was I was pleased to see them try something different at least because, as you said, part of the one of the things we've been banging our head against the brick wall about is just if you always do what you've always done, you know, you'll always mm. get what you've always got, and that's what has been happening before this but yeah the, the we were there were a lot of eye rolling in the press box it'd be fair to say throughout that <laughs> first half and I think we it's it's worth talking a little bit about that first half I think town were trying to get something going but then Stearman gets that whack and there's sort of a four or five minute delay and they sort of came back and the the whole game had just derailed a little bit it, it, it sort of knocked both sides out of trying to do what they were doing and it went really messy for 10 minutes really really messy and then we sort of got some something back on an even kill but it was just so lacking in quality at either end of the pitch wasn't it that it's difficult to it's difficult to judge but it's worth talking about a few individuals Stearman I thought was was he did okay didn't he to be fair yeah he did I thought he did really well we, we mentioned those those lack of leaders and it's it's so evident when he's on the pitch you know and it was when he came on uh, against Swansea even I think town sometimes can be a bit quiet and it's always evident when you when you get a team that's that's a bit too quiet and I think with no Jonathan Hogg no Harry Toffolo Ben Hamer gone I think those are sort of the three most vocal players on any given day normally and you know Keo Keo gives instructions as well it's not to say that he's standing there in silence you know he's you know he's been a, a captain at this level for a long time so it's not to say that he's not been doing his part but Stearman is a, another level and he's almost sort of the the Cowley's parting gift in a way because last season they brought in these players you know likes of Danny Simpson and Richard Stearman and Andy King to not even so much for what they were doing on the pitch some of them but for what they brought 
behind the scenes and in the dressing room, especially. And I mean, Danny Cowley speaks glowingly of the effect Andy King had on on that yeah. that dressing room at the end of last season, and Stearman as well. If you ask any players who's been, you know, we asked Aaron Rowe who's been sort of the big influence and who's been helping you the most behind the scenes. The two names that tripped off the tongue for him were were first were, were Tommy Elphick and Richard Stearman. So he's he he just brings that extra bit of maturity i think to the defense he's always he's always talking he's always encouraging uh, or chastising if it's appropriate as well and i thought he put in a, a really good performance and i know that he has he has his moments uh and he had a little bit of a moment in the build up to the corner uh, that that birmingham scored from but watching it again i, th- I think you know he <laughs> I think it'd be harsh to go too hard on him for that. But generally speaking, I think he's been a really good player for town. I think he's made more of an impact than, than people maybe expected him to. And yeah. I think he's such a, a vital addition to that side. Yeah, I really like... One of the things I complained about in the Derby pod was that after the, the first goal went in, Keogh reacts, but it's slightly half-heartedly and everybody else just sort of shrugged and walked off. When they conceded that equaliser, Stearman was furious absolutely furious and he made sure others were personally offended that they'd just conceded a goal and that's that's leadership you know that's that's Lewis O'Brien bless him is a, is a wonderful player and does so many things really really well but he is not going to turn around and give Nabi Sar a massive rollicking for something he's just it's not in his makeup it's not that he's a you know like he's some really nice lad and he wouldn't say boo to a goose but it's just not what he's what his game's about it's not where his mindset is and I I, th- I think it's a big boost to have Stearman back there on a couple of different levels I think he was rusty you know I don't think there's any denying that he was as guilty as anyone of when he was playing the out ball mm. of his his compass being significantly off um but yeah I I think having him back there as a, as a presence is is can only be a good thing and I think uh, you've talked before about giving Sarah a rest um and I I think you're probably right. I think he's just played so much football he could do with at least one week off. And I think having Edmonds Green back at the moment, I know he's having to play on the right. Um, having Stearman back, I think hopefully we're coming to the point where Saar can have 90 minutes off and can can have a break. Because by the end of the game, I, I was looking in the last 10 minutes because... I wanted to see if Stearman was gonna was struggling, you know, because he's not played any football. I was honestly expecting him to come off on the hour, and I think probably you were too. Mm-hmm. But he was he was all right. He was not too bad. He wasn't down his haunches, but Navizar was was really tired. He yeah, was twice he... he had he had his hands on his knees trying to just catch his breath. Yeah, I, I had Sar down for a seven for most of the game, and then the last twenty minutes, he yeah, you're right. He was he was blowing a little bit, and I. I think especially sort of defending set pieces, he, he started to to struggle in those aerial yeah. challenges, which considering the size of him, he, he's not... <laughs> aerial challenges are weirdly not one of his strong suits considering he's six foot yeah. six or well, close there was to six long, foot six. There was the long throw in added time where yeah. he it was his flick onto the Birmingham player and it was... It was just a really tired jump, you know. He yeah. he couldn't get there, and his head was leaning back, and he just he tried to get something of it, and he ended up with a sort of almost picture perfect flick on. Um, so it could have it could have been worse, really. But yeah, I I think having Ste- Stearman back's a big bonus. But there's there's something we need to talk about, isn't there? We need to Is talk it? about Pippa. We do a bit, yeah. The, the last three games, I think he's he's dipped, and he has been sort of moved from one side to the other, and then 
back again. We, we've talked before about, or I've talked before about putting him on the left wing, uh, at left back, I should say, and getting him cutting inside and taking those shots on. But um, and I think there's there's something in that because he does like to take a shot, but his his execution has not been good enough at, at either end. And I've written a piece about this today, and and when I was when I went back and researched, you know, to research that piece, I was surprised actually that the stats actually paint and quite a, a positive fixed uh, picture of him in 2021 contrary to a lot of other players you know his, his key stats he's doing more per 90 minutes than than he was in the first half of the season more tackles more interceptions more clearances uh more blocks now some of that is just because town are coming under more pressure but he's also yeah. completing more dribbles scored more goals per 90 although it's only one in each half of the season so i wouldn't read too much into that he's got a couple of assists recently as well um he's making more key passes putting in more crosses but for all of that he hasn't passed the eye test over the last few games at all Mm. and to be fair even if you look at his numbers for the last few games the last three games in particular he's been pretty poor he's he's set up one shooting chance in the last three games and that was 11 minutes into the derby game he he put that ball cut that ball back across the box for Campbell yeah Yeah. that was the last time he, he put it on a plate for anyone to shoot um You've mentioned he's been holding up the ball too much in the final third, uh, if you want to come on to that in a moment. But just defensively as well, when I look back at the three goals Preston scored, I, I kept an eye on, on Pippa's positioning. And again, this was sort of on the back of a tip-off from you about it. The first goal, all right, there's there's another player, it's Dwayne Holmes, is, is not tracking uh, the, the player into the box. Who is it that scores the first goal for Preston? Uh, remind me. Uh, Brad Potts. Yeah, Brad Potts is completely free in the box when Scott Sinclair's gone through. And Schofield makes a good save uh, from the first shot. And do you know what? I was actually a bit critical of Schofield for not reacting fast enough to the second shot. But one, I think he just loses where the ball is, which, you know, he's just made a, a save from point-blank range, so you can understand that. But also, Holmes hasn't tracked Potts into the box, and uh, and neither has Pippa. Pippa is standing on about the edge of the, the town third. Now, is Holmes' man. Holmes should have tracked him. Holmes is closer to him. But he's also, Potts is in Pippa's position. Pippa is nominally the left back at that point, And he's nowhere near him. Potts is inside the box, and Pippa is about 30 yards from goal. It's really poor. He's just stand, he's standing still as well. He's not trying to get back. Second goal, um, they, you know, Preston break and, and Pippa's on the right side now. He's been switched over because Edmund Green got taken off at the break. And again, as the ball is going into the town third, Pippa is jogging on the halfway line to get back and it's going down his side. Now, he wouldn't have got there even if uh, even if he'd been busting a gut, but it shows you that he's you know he's just jogging in those positions you know i'm not i'm not blaming yeah. him for that goal but he's not exactly you know yeah. breaking breaking his neck trying to get back and then the third goal they they go up the left and then they put it back across the box and Aaron Rowe is in front of him and Pippa is is behind Scott Sinclair. And I've got a picture here of of as Sinclair is just sort of passing the edge of the, the centre circle and Rowe and Pippa are both within sort of 5-10 yards of him. By the time Sinclair gets into the box and applies the finish, Pippa's nowhere to be seen. Again, he's not tracked him into the box. Rowe has. Rowe's yeah. tried to get in front of him but, but can't get out the cross. Pippa is absolutely nowhere to be seen at that point. It's... <sighs> You know, it's it's what we talked about with Flo Haddish and I at the start of last season, you pointed out to me. And yeah, that if he's not going to offer anything at the attacking end, he at least needs to be defensively sound. And the last three games, he's not done either. Yeah, I think like the minute we say Flo Haddish and I, people will be tensing up. I'm not saying for any second that he's as bad as uh, peak no. Flo was. <laughs> um, but 
the reality is that I think the way you, when you look at stats, and I'm saying this as an analyst, if you just look at them cold, you look at it and you say, oh well, he's he's doing okay. But the problem is, if you if you make a, a six yard pass after you've held on to the ball for way too long and it reaches the man no problem it goes down as a successful pass but ultimately it's still a wasted opportunity that's where you have to apply context and put your eyes onto these things and there's been a lot of that with Pippa over the last few games where he's got into good positions and then he's held on to the ball or he's tried to take a man on or he's took too long but he's taking way too long to get the ball into the area for me at the moment town town's crossing is right down again and quality of their crossing is poor now I know part of that of the fact that they haven't got Harry Toffolo and Toffolo is uh, you know he, he is part of that attacking trident but it's just not happening at the moment and I think with Pippa I think we all saw at the start of the season that there's a player there and there that you know without being putting too fine a point on it he, he's probably capable of, of going higher than this he's probably capable of becoming a Premier League player or a La Liga player or wherever he wants to go next but there's a lack of a little bit of a lack of discipline I would say and I think if if the Birmingham approach last night is what we're going to get from town going forward which is a little bit more pragmatism hopefully a little bit more finely tuned and a, a, to be frank a, better than it was last night then he's got to get back his level back up I I don't blame him solely for it because ultimately he's been tasked this season with being a fullback being a wingback being a winger being a number 10 at times I think he's played virtually played in central midfield uh, he's played right he's played left so it's not it's not all on his you know it's not all down to him because I think when you're not consistently played in the position you want to be you end up jack of all trades and we don't want to see that from from Pippa. We know what he's good at, but they need to get back to that as soon as possible. And he he just looks his body language as well is just a little bit a little bit down. I think he knows his his form is not quite there, and I think he's feeling it. And I think I'd rather see a player like that than one who doesn't care about it. But yeah, you just got to perhaps manage that mindset a little bit and just get him back to to where he needs to be fairly quickly. Yeah, I think the mental side is massive because I I mean he's played I think he's played more minutes for town this season than he has in sort of <laughs> in in any other season in this the rest of his career and but by a long long way you know he's oh, he's close miles. to miles yeah, i mean he's yeah. going to end end of the season it will be over double i think yeah exactly so i think there's a bit of what we talked about with with Nabisar and a few other players you know we've said it about Fraser Campbell we've said it about Janino Bakuna he looks like he needs a rest and unfortunately town aren't in a position where they can give him one because of the injuries and because of the you know the, the lack of viable alternatives um and i think ideally you would be able to use your rotation and, and take Saar, Bakuna, Pippa, Campbell out for a game or two here or there and, and just give them a rest but they just haven't had the luxury of, of doing it because of the way the injuries have gone um, so it's yeah I mean he's also only just turned 23 you know he's mm. which you know he's not a pup he's not a teenager but it's you know he's he's playing in a new country for the first time it's the first time he's played this many minutes he's a, a young player who's you know really playing regular senior football for the first time so you would expect a, a dip at some point but we're now at a, a, a an end of the season and town are lacking a creative spark 
from sort of anywhere on the pitch and he's one of the few players you would point to and say he can make things happen with his his running and his movement and his trickery and his his you know his his cutbacks from the byline and one way or the other they need to just find a way to get him to to push over the line and get back to sort of that early season form and you know help create things for town even if it's even if it's just over the next 10 games and then he almost just coasts through the last five having got town or the last two i should say uh having got town over the, over the line um yeah, I'd agree. I, he's he's still, regardless, he's still going to finish the season in the the top half of Town's players. Oh by, yeah, probably, probably top five. Mile. Yeah, but top five. It, you would probably say. Yeah, comfortably. So he's still going to, one way or another, he's still going to finish having had an excellent season. But it's just Town's aspirations are very very linked with him and Toffolo. There's absolutely no denying that. For for Corbin Ball to work on uh, in any form, it's so heavily reliant on the fullbacks, wingbacks, however he plays, doing a hell of a lot of work and getting through a hell of a lot of work. So they need to be engaged and, and on the ball, really. But I, I'm interested in your take on Schofield last night because he's, he's come in for some criticism again, and I actually think it's slightly unfair, if I'm honest. He started the game really well, I thought. Um, I think he he had a couple of nervy moments after the goal went in. I think, he, I think sometimes he does get... Sh- shaken up by if he has a, a nervy moment or concedes a goal I think we quite often see that he, he can be a bit edgy after that uh, I thought his distribution wasn't fantastic uh, against Preston either but no he, I think he was asked to do a different yeah, job exactly. though, wasn't he yeah exactly you know he wasn't you know Corbrand has, has said after the game his word of the day at the press conference was, was comfortable he wants his players playing in a way that they're comfortable with and I think that basically well he said means no more playing out from the back for the time being um so you know if he's launching it long then that's fine i i i've said this in a piece but i feel like they are basically making this adaptation now so that the moment sonogo is ready to come into the team he just goes straight into the starting lineup as soon as he gets medically cleared to start they're already playing a style that's tailor-made for him and i wonder if they've been waiting for him to sign um before they made this change but no i, I thought he actually had a, a, a good first half he made uh he made a bit of a hash of a ball into the box that that let hogan and get a shot away and he was quite lucky that that didn't end up in the net but I think the problem Schofield has now is that people are are looking for errors with him and he has made a lot of errors previously but I think we're at a point with Schofield now where any error he makes comes massively under the microscope um, and gets people sort of forget there is a normal level of, of error or you know a, an acceptable level that of, of mistakes that you would accept from a goalkeeper and I think now people are so conscious of his mistakes that as soon as he makes one it's like oh for god's sake he's he's not good enough um and I think he needs to to get through that but I thought he was he was fine I don't think he, there was much he could have done um about about certainly about the the Preston goals you know he was he was blameless for them and the the Birmingham goal I think was maybe another goalkeeper would have been a bit more commanding coming for that but I think I would look more at the fact that that ball went straight over Fraser Campbell's head at the near post um than anything else you know he he ended up with two players falling at his feet and he can't you know he he couldn't it was hard you know he can't just phase through them and jump on the ball you know he he was yeah exactly exactly he just he just got stuck behind you know a pile of players and and the Birmingham player reacted to it first but yeah what's your view 
Um, I I just thought it was another sort of step on the, his development, really, and that's that's the way things are. You know, I spoke about it on the last pod as well. I think you just have to accept that you're developing this young keeper, and and these things are going to happen. I thought it was interesting that Preston. Um, Preston didn't they targeted him to a point but he was he was a very small part of their game plan whereas Birmingham on set pieces they had two set pieces and one was to basically try and drop it on his nose um to get somebody in there challenging in the hope it was going to panic him and the other one was to get it into the near post and just basically what they wanted was just to try and cause chaos in the six yard box and ultimately they got their reward um but i i didn't think i saw him get a lot of stick for the goal and i think yeah i think maybe an experienced keeper does come and claim that but i've looked at it a couple of times and i'm not sure he could have done i'm not sure he could have he could have got there anyway and uh I think it's very, very harsh to sort of blame that goal on him because he also tries to react as well. He doesn't watch it go yeah. in. He's trying to get it there. And I just, it's another one of those things where I think it's easy to point to Schofield and say, well, that was down to him. But I think there's so many moving parts to that goal of which he is just, just one, really. Yeah. I think there are, there are a lot more going on there. I do think you're right, though, that his mentality, he does get a little, you know, a mistake lives with him for a little bit in a game but yeah. he he does it does seem to bounce off him eventually um and you know it's interesting after the goal against Watford he is completely safety first now he he's very very keen to get to that ball and get essentially get rid because he's had his fingers burnt with it so I, I just think it's another step along the path and you just gotta you just gotta take it on the chin because town of hope in Schofield is their goalkeeper for the next arguably four to five seasons as a minimum so if you if you go through this and then you get a very good keeper four years I think you just have to you just have to accept it really um it it is what it is yeah but, I think that I think the I can understand people being nervous about it because of the league position. yeah um but I mean again if you look at the numbers he's 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 conceding sort of one goal every 10 games more than Ben Hamer was so it's not like he's it's not like he's him coming into the side has led to a deluge of goals and I know that they've not kept a clean sheet for a long time but I think there's a lot of other factors uh, <laughs> yeah, behind that than, than Ryan Schofield you know um yeah. I, and it's not like the defense was flawless in the first half of the season you know that they, they had that run of of clean sheets um and he was he was a part of that so yeah he's yeah I, I I understand where the criticism comes from and I understand why people are very reactive to any mistakes he does make but yeah I think on 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 these particular two games we're talking about I wouldn't be rushing no. to, to blame him for anything I, I think I think it's important to not lose sight of the fact that of the things he is good at for his age and for his experience he is really good at them there's yeah. not many young goalkeepers with his first team experience experience who are as good a shot stopper as as he is so I think you just got to try and focus on that a little bit and just just understand that he's got to learn the other stuff he's he's got to learn that a big burly center forward you just got to go through them <laughs> in, yeah in truth you've just got to take everything with you because as a goalkeeper you're going to be afforded a level of protection anyway so just go and take the foul if nothing else so yeah I I did I just I didn't think he was the reason last night and I saw him getting quite a bit of grief on social media and I just thought I, I think that's that's a classic case of lashing out a bit rather than actually looking at the looking at the thing as a whole what what do you think Dave of 
Romana Edmonds Green at right back for the time being. I, I believe the sort of the thinking behind it, and well, from what Corbrand said, is they they just want that a bit more defensive solidity uh, at, at fullback because they they obviously got caught down those wings a lot. Uh, and it's worth saying two of the Preston goals came after he'd gone off at half time, and they, they they I think they're trying to find a balance at the moment. And I think there's a there's a bit of a worry about the balance going too far the other way almost um, after that that Birmingham game, which will come on to in a bit but first of all what what do you make to to Ramani at right back um everybody knows I'm a fan <laughs> so and I think he's I think he's doing fine but he's not a right back he's a central defender um I think he's perfectly adequate there for if we are going to go more pragmatic now if this is the way things are going to be for a while I think that's absolutely fine um but he's he's not he, you can see all his natural instincts are defensive and that's one of the reasons I'm a fan because I just think he's he's one of the most natural defenders I've seen in youth football really um so he's gonna do fine at right back but there isn't there is another part of that role and part of that role is obviously essentially getting up into midfield and beyond and I just don't think that's as soon as he does that he never looks comfortable because his natural Mm. instinct is he doesn't want to leave a hole behind him doesn't want to leave a gap there so fine but let's not have this experiment continue forever because I just I just don't think that's his position at all and I think that going back to the Saar point I think that Stearman Edmonds Green too may well be worth trying for a game or two just to give Saar some just to give him a break just to give him a break yeah I my sort of my concern with Edmonds Green there is just I think he reads the game very well and we know he's quick um so he's got recovery pace but I think you can surprise him sometimes I think that's again it's an experience thing and I do think a, a I think he needs a lot of support playing out on the right and it's interesting that Holmes was almost playing more as a wing back than a winger uh yeah. you know that they almost went to halfway to a three at the back at times with with Edmunds Green sort of dropping in and, and Holmes coming back as a, as a wing back in a way that Mbenza wasn't quite doing on the other side so often so I think he does need a, a bit of help if he is going to play at, at right back I as I say I think you can surprise him which makes it not ideal to put him up against wingers whose entire job is to come up with that element of surprise but I think he's probably the best option I've got at the moment while Toffolo's injured if they're going to continue with Pippa on the left um, then then I think Edmunds Green on the right is not a bad bad way to go but as we would you consider putting Rowe on the left and shifting Pippa back to the right I think it's worth a go I think I understand the reason why you wouldn't do that and why Corbrand has decided not to do that because Pippa and Rowe are both very attacking players they're both very attack minded and I think a bit less experienced than Harry Toffolo at, at getting back as well and you know doing doing those yards and, and try to sort of play it, it tight at the back so I can understand why in a in a with a back four you probably wouldn't want Pippa and Rowe but if you're playing a back three then probably get away with it particularly as you say if you had Edmunds Green playing as, as one of your three at the back um, because he's he's just that much more able to get across and 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 fill in those gaps 
behind the wing backs, which has been an issue in in recent games, to be honest. Yeah, I'm just just wondering about the mix and the options there. That's that's the thing because I, mm. I think they need they need more from their right back position than Romani gives them. If I'm honest, and that's no, it's not a slight on Romani. It's just it's not his his natural mindset is not the same as a fullbacks. It's it just isn't. Um, mm. So I'm just trying to think what what the best mix would be there, and it's not it's not an easy problem to solve really i st- i still think that it's worth exploring three at the back again and i know it didn't work terribly well at, at derby but i just feel like with the personnel they've got you can have row on the left and pipper on the right and you've, you've got three defenders now because you've got you know you can have stearman Saar, and uh and edwin screen in there and still have critchlow and keogh as as backup so you can play a three at the back and then you can if you play sonogo and campbell up front or sonogo and and benza or if you if you want to play you know off the lash off the shoulder of the defender then you can have campbell and benza you you've got options there up top and i know we we prefer benza as a winger but i think you can play him as a striker you've got pippa playing as a wing back and then it doesn't matter so much then if if Pippa does get caught upfield a bit because you, as I say, you've got Edmund Screen coming across and, and covering that side. Um, but yeah, there's obviously drawbacks there uh, as well. Um, but yeah. I, I think I think it's I don't know. I kind of feel like like that is worth exploring again. But I also understand why. Again, I feel like then they're waiting for Sonogo at the moment. Like that they want to play four three three, but they want to have Sonogo in the middle and and, and play basically up to him um, and use him as the focal point. So I can understand why he wants them training the four three three. My my problem with the three at the back is that when town the way town play a three at the back, it makes them very narrow defensively because the two men either side in midfield tend to play well. To to be perfectly honest, they tend to play about ten yards too high. So it just mm. because of the pace of of, of town centre backs, it makes it very, very difficult defending out wide. And then if you've got a fit Johnny Hogg coming in and, and trying to make a two in the centre so that your two centre backs either side can push out wide, just because of the personnel involved, again, it, it, they're still quite narrow. Mm. And we saw, you know, we saw Hogg as part of that back three and how uncomfortable he was. I don't think Vallejo is a natural fit there. He, he needs to play higher up. Yeah, I would, I would so only do looking, it with. With three yeah. proper centre backs, yeah, and the problem and the the issue for me is then that leaves you with the three proper centre backs who are all centre backs and who you know when they do get drawn wide, I think they they do there are issues, shall mm. we say? I, I yeah, don't think they fair. like being there. I don't think they're comfortable being there. So I, I I don't know. I don't know. I if you had a three at the back and you had Schindler there, I would feel much more comfortable just because Schindler's very very good at position and organisation mm. so I just feel like they would be far better place to control the space there whereas uh, Stearman's a warrior Saar is Saar Keo is Keo uh, you need you need that sort of almost that I think that in, probably the wrong word but sort of intelligence of Schindler really in a, in a footballing sense in that position um, I, wonder, I wonder if Elphick could fill that cap weirdly uh, well he could do but the, the problem is the nature of his injury and his age yeah, as his biggest fan and yeah I'd say best friend um, <laughs> I, I don't know how he's going to come back I, I've, yeah. I've no idea I, it's hard playing, to see him get. it's hard to see him yeah. getting more than sort of 20 30 minutes yeah, all, he, all of the rest playing, of the season isn't it he's playing academy football and I, I'm sure he's enjoying himself but uh, championship relegation fight level yeah, yeah. centre back is is quite a big ask that was a, that was a really big injury yeah you're, put, 
in a big a proper injury. <laughs> you're putting a big target on him as well, aren't you? If you yeah, if you, you put are, him out you there, are. you're throwing him in here. So yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, there's no no easy answers, unfortunately, at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. It's Cardiff up next. They are absolutely in the form of their life. I, I think Mick McCarthy has exceeded all expectations. He he looked a good fit for them, obviously. You know, if you think of the managers Cardiff have had previously and the style they've been playing, probably the next the next taxi off the rank would have been Mick McCarthy. But I think he's done far better than anyone else could have expected. And, and you know, they got a big 4-0 win against Derby on Tuesday night. It's going to be a very tough game, that, isn't it? It is. And they're going to, I suspect they're going to try and play without the ball which when town have got an awful lot of possession that always makes us a little bit nervous because they they struggle to create anything so it's it's a it's a big game it's a big game because i think i think town fans are looking at that game and, and again it feels a little bit like preston nobody is honestly sitting here hand on heart and expecting them to go out and win that game but we need a performance at some point regardless of the result we need a performance where we go yeah you know that's that's really encouraging and I thought I thought last night you have to give Corbin credit for trying something different and at least sort of understanding and, and learning now that, that that flexibility and adaptability are admirable qualities too and I hope that continues but yeah it would be nice just to get a performance if if not the result I've I've no I always think when a team's on a mega run like Cardiff does I, I often look at them and I think well they're due <laughs> yeah like Swansea yeah they're due and it there's no denying in a weird way it suits town to to play the bigger teams at the moment because they do feel more like free hits so who knows who knows what could happen but that's football 1-1 draw last night felt like a very so-so result I'm not sure whether it's a good result or not we'll see come the end of the season a 1-1 draw on Friday would be would be like six points (laughs) (laughs) I think I think we would have gone into that Birmingham game saying that is a must win, but the way the other results went with, with Coventry losing, yeah. obviously Rotherham and Wednesday are playing each other, Derby got, got tanked. Um, I well, think, I think the we'd, point ended up being all right, actually. Yeah, we talked off air and we said this is probably going to be a season-fining game, and Town got a little bit of a get-out-of-jail card, if we're, if we're brutally honest with you, but the thing about having a get-out-of-jail card like that is that you, you've got to use it. Mm-hmm. You've, got to, <laughs> you've got to make sure you you stay out there and i think there there's a growing reality here that i, I think wickham are cut, cut adrift i think birmingham and rotherham are both not not looking great quality wise there's sort of unknown at the moment is is wednesday rising out of that bottom three under darren moore it, it looks a huge task a huge task if i'm honest and i still think that town should be safe by virtue of just picking up a couple of wins and a few points here and there but it would be nice to it would be nice to get something out of this season at the back end so we yeah. can at least finish with some positives at least finish with with some level of looking forward because at the moment nothing feels like progress and there's there's lots and lots of reasons for that but each of these games against the bigger clubs like Cardiff are an opportunity to try and start something mm. so who knows hopefully they can start something Friday yeah hopefully I mean looking at their record against the bottom teams as well they're actually quite good I, I, I 
worked out this morning the the sort of the the bottom eleven mini league, excluding Wickham, because I think Wickham are gone. And Town have got a lot. Uh, they've got six games still to play against sort of the the other teams in that bottom eleven. And their record against these sides is actually pretty good. Um, now I know that we've come to learn that we can't count on you know what Town did in Anything. the first half of the season for anything. <laughs> yeah, but. I think we've sort of both sort of touched on the fact this is a poor championship season. I think it's a poor yeah. league this year. I think last year was a really, really strong division, actually. And I think there were a lot of good teams that ended up in a relegation battle. When you think about the fact Middlesbrough were down there for a lot of the season. Stoke were down there for a lot of the season. Wigan had that that run and uh, and still only just got relegated, um, even with a big points deduction. Um, Hull obviously collapsed, fair enough, with them. Luton were in that relegation battle and we've seen without too many changes of personnel, how they've done this season. So I think it was a strong division last year. This year, I think it's a very poor league. Um, But the good news is that against those, you know, Nottingham Forest, Blackburn, QPR, Rotherham, Coventry, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby, Town's record is actually pretty good. And they've still got to play, you know, after the Cardiff game, they've got two big games against QPR and Sheffield Wednesday. And getting results, you know, getting six points from those two games, it, it sounds like an unrealistic prospect now but I think it's worth remembering that you know Wednesday are also in dreadful form QPR have certainly had their moments as well that they had a good run recently but they've they've, you know they've only picked up one point in the last two games uh, at time of recording so you know we know that they're very streaky Um, those are winnable games and suddenly the season looks very different if they are able to take six points from the next three games especially Mm. if the points come against those other teams towards the bottom so this season is Go on. The, 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 I think the big difference this season, and the reason me and you are reasonably confident they're going to stay out of it, and they're not they're not going to get pulled into it, is that last season you needed forty nine points to stay out yeah. of the relegation zone, and this season is going to be significantly less. And Town I think are already 45, on thirty seven. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, rather rather at the moment, I think are on twenty twenty nine. Twenty nine, yeah. and I think then there's already a gap of like six points to Birmingham so yeah. that, that, there's already a three game squint, uh, swing required and I know they've got games in hand but mm. that means they've got to win every single one of those games and I think realistically looking towards the end of the season it's it's just I genuinely think 40 points this season could save you I, I really do think it's it's that that poor really that start compared to other years so yeah but they, but they it, can't rely just, on that is the thing no you know, they can't they, rely on it and the reason it would be good to finish with a little a, even just a slight bounce in the step is that we want to finish the season and we want to do a podcast where we talk about progress and yeah. where progress has been made and point to areas where we can say well there's a little area where you can put your hope in for the future at the moment it would be a real struggle to do that a real struggle so but there's there's time left there's time left yeah i, th- I think they can just get over the line as soon as possible because I think it's the right thing to do to to strip back the style and just you know as Kilbrand puts it play the way the players are, are comfortable playing and not not ask more of them and you know not worry about developing a style at this point just do what the players are comfortable doing and try and grind out some wins I think that that is the right approach because we've seen that that trying to play it nicely and try to develop a style is 
has not been working so I think they I think it's the right decision to to try and ditch it and grind it out like they did last year but I think where ideally think they would like things to be different to last year is they they get it done relatively early and yeah. then they can they can spend the last you know <laughs> two three four games putting some of those some of that Carlos ball back together and starting to add those fundamentals together and not have to worry about the result and just have almost like you do in the academy where you have performance targets rather than results targets i think that would be the ideal whether they can get themselves to that position or not though i mean i'm i'm not i'm not entirely confident given the run they're on obviously um that that they are going to be able to do that but yeah we'll see how it goes yeah brilliant thanks for listening everyone uh dave you have a book coming out in june silver linings bobby robson's england tell us a bit about that again please uh it goes into bobby robson's eight years in charge um i cover the first chunk of the book is looking at the role of the england manager over time and how it got to the point before bobby took it and then each chapter is a year in turn and there is fair to say a lot happened and i think i've covered most of it um but if you have any interest in bobby robson or england or that period of football i would recommend you read it hopefully you will enjoy it brilliant stuff right thanks for joining us everyone and we will see you next time i think we'll look at recording on monday again next week because there's there's no midweek game so i think we're going to look at a, a monday recording for the next podcast we will see you then goodbye see you then. Who to be a, who to be a